in the documentary premiere section is the new film by Katherine Gunn, who has directed other films, including On Hostile Ground and her Emmy-nominated film Born to Fly. Her first film to come to Sundance titled Aggie, the subject is her mom. Catherine Gunn joins us now in the studio. Good morning. Good morning. So you've tackled some big issues, organizing against the radical rights bigotry and when democracy works, and then on hostile ground about three abortion providers working in the U.S. where providers are becoming scarce and abortions avoided by hospitals and doctors in those areas. So in Aggie, your subject is on speed dial, your mom. <laughs> Certainly <Why her? laughs> on speed dial. Well, I, it, why her is part of the question, but why now for me is really the question. And she um, is a well-known art collector and philanthropist. She's been involved in women's issues, environmental and the arts. And she has a real empathy that I believe actually and learned more and more making the film comes from the arts and being open to the arts and open to learning about other people and having um, misunderstanding and not liking things but still engaging with them. And she did a big thing, which is that she sold one of her prized paintings. She always gives her paintings away to museums so that more of the public can access them. But she chose this time, after seeing a film, no less, she saw Ava DuVernay's film, The 13th, and, or 13th, and went home and decided to sell a very valuable painting and dedicate all of the proceeds to end mass incarceration. And I thought that was worth replicating, that that was a model that hopefully other people could also do, um, follow. And, and also, I think it's not only for people with millions and millions of dollars or great art collections, but that really there's something very inspiring about the arts and that they allow people to step into other people's shoes. Yeah. And I, I mean, do you feel like you've done a fair job documenting. I mean, it's like nobody wants to be critical of their mom. You certainly don't want to show her in bad lighting. But I mean, in, in your other documentaries, I mean, that may, might happen. Sure. The last two documentaries, Born to Fly, which is about an activist, a, 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 an action architect, dancer who walks down buildings and jumps off bridges named Elizabeth Streb. There was her. And then um, most recently was Chavela, which is about this badass ranchera singer, um, named Chavela Vargas, who was lovers with Frida Kahlo and lived to be 92, but had a wretched time being an alcoholic and being super violent. And so there is a way you want to show all sides. But I think in my films, I'm not really telling a biopic. They're not like a story, a chronological story. It's really more about a, a, an underlying value. And in Born to Fly, it was really about bravery. And so I feel like people came away from that and said, I'm going to break up with my boyfriend or I'm going to take that new job or one person was like I'm going to do hot yoga and I thought okay you do you and you know it inspired people to do things they might not otherwise in their routine have done um, and then in Chavela it was really about resilience she kept coming back she was born in Costa Rica neglected by her family for being a butch dyke baby child and then moved to Mexico and then had this horrible alcoholism and kept coming back. And I met her and interviewed her when she was 70. And we thought, oh, this is her swan song. She went on after that to become discovered, become a huge international star and to sing for 20 more years before she passed. So to me, this one is really about imagination. It's really, it's not about, I know it's about Aggie, but it's more that's a vehicle for me to tell people to use their imagination, which is why I quote Ava. I had asked her, what's the relationship between art and imagination? She said they both, I mean, art and justice. And she said, art requires imagination and justice does as well. And to me, that's the through line. So I was just dialing back from the 
action, the sort of propaganda of the deed that my mother engaged with, and going backwards to what do we need to know about this person to understand why she might do something like this. And that's a pretty big trick because I think you're probably a little bit of a victim of oversimplification by those that want to describe your film as sort of putting a teaser out, hey, there's just the opposite. Hey, this big thing happened and this is that story when it's really not. It's, it's really about this much more complex process and value that you want to communicate that led to that event, which is really exactly. at the last 10 minutes of your film. So that's a hard kind of thing to come across. So it's been, that's been great hearing that degree of description. Yeah. So I hope people hear that and approach the film with that lens as opposed okay. to, hey, thinking we're just going to get this you know, background on this one singular event of a or a person or a person. Yeah. Um, and I think that arts actually helps us in that way. In the film, we use over 250 pieces of artwork, mm. uh, most of them, the overwhelming majority from my mother's collection. And it helps to get people, I think, instead of archival film or archival footage that explains or tries to put you in that spot at that time, really helps you feel it. So it's not about facts. That film or Chavela is certainly not about facts because we had so few facts. You know, people said, do you think she really slept with Ava Gardner? And I said, well, I don't know if she did, but I know she could have. So I think the art allows us to access, and we have films in there. John Waters is in there. Aggie had bought Hairspray, of all films, for the MoMA collection back in the day. And then we end with a poem that Elizabeth Alexander selected and read. And I think having, you know, and then the score by Jason Moran, it's really a, a feast of art. And at base, I want people to be able to see how Aggie sees the world through art and to allow themselves, to open themselves to whatever might be around them, and also to engage with their own curiosity and their own ability to think of something that doesn't exist and manifest it. And you're her daughter, so she doesn't want to be critical of you, but what does she have to say <laughs> Oh, about she it? was terribly critical of me. No, she's not really, but she's such a reluctant subject. I mean, that to me was much more of the core challenge than do I show her in a bad light because I wasn't telling her life story. The core problem for me was saying to someone, you're great enough for me to make a film about you, but part of what makes you great is your humility, so I don't want you to think you're great, or I don't want to <laughs> undermine the fact that... I, that you don't think you're great. I certainly think you're great. And I do wish she thought she was a little greater. But I think the humility is something that opens her to being a more universal subject. It is funny, though, that how much she didn't want to be in the film. And one clip I didn't use it. One, you know, people ask me all the time, what did I learn making the film? And I have all these answers. And at one point in the back of the car, I asked her what she had learned about making the film, thinking she'd say something about herself. She said, I don't know. Oh, I did learn something. I learned that you're very persistent. <laughs> and that's, you know, and I don't know if you watch till the end of the credits when I ask her about the film. What do you think of the film? And she says, the film, the film is great. What film are we talking about? <laughs> so she was definitely a, what we call a reluctant subject. But that ended up being fun some of the time. And I was really amazed at how generous she was about sitting with so many different people for conversations. We shot over, originally I was going to interview her, obviously. You're going to make a movie, you interview the subject. I did one interview. It was so terrible. I was terrible. She was terrible. It was so boring. And I thought, I'm never doing that again. And then I asked her if she'd just talk with my kids. I wasn't even making a movie at that time. I was thinking, you know, I just I think we should talk to people more and not in these little Snapchat things, but actually ask people questions we don't know about them, especially people we're really close to and certainly elders. And so I had had recorded conversations with my kids. And then I said, that's it. You can you talk to your friends in a way and artists and your grandchildren, family in a way that you won't feel comfortable speaking to me as a camera person. And so we shot over 35 conversations between her and other people. Yeah. Um, and maybe talk just briefly about what, 
what do you think motivates her to work so hard as an, an advocate for the, the causes that she believes in? It's interesting because I have a lot of values about um, empathy and and justice and, and, and wanting people to do good because it's the right thing to do. And she says very clearly in the film when Abby Disney, in conversation with her, asks her why she does what she does, she says it's out of guilt. And I think that I have little patience for guilt in general. I feel like it's sort of self-involved and it's not really acknowledging the bigger picture of why you're doing what you're doing. But I think in her case, it is a motivation. So that's fine. She, if, As long as she's not sitting there wallowing in guilt, but she's actually using guilt to do these incredible, mind-blowing, game-changing you know, model behaviors, these things that I think if we all did those things, you know, if she she... She does what Brian Stevenson says. She gets proximate. And I believe that's her. It is a very big heart. And if, if you call it empathy or if you just call it sociability, like she loves people. And, she, and, and one thing that frustrated me while we made the movie was that she kept asking people questions, even though she was supposed to be the one <laughs> being asked questions. And at first I got really frustrated, um, you know, just thinking, come on, we need something about you. Like we need you to talk about yourself or tell us a story. And then I realized that she really is curious and she does want to know. And she's not that interested in talking about herself, and it's for a good reason. So for whatever reason, I think it's, I think it's good that she's like she is. Did she make it out with you? To, to she say, did yeah. come here, and she had a great time. And she ended up, somebody said, you know, in the beginning of the film, I also asked her how she feels about the movie, and she says, well, I hope not too many people see the movie. And so one of the journalists said, um, do you still, now that the film's done, do you still hope not too many people are going to see it? And she said, no, if they do, if they do these things, if they get proximate, if they learn about criminal justice reform, if they go and understand other people, then it will all be worth it. It is all a good thing. I think she loves when people want to engage with artwork. We have an art show, actually, at Susan Swartz Gallery. We also have the other part of it is in Salt Lake City at the Modern West Gallery. And it's amazing to just have this selection of women artists here in a place that some people might not be able to see them sometimes. But, you know, what I love is when she goes into the prison, which she says at the end, when somebody, he, Darren says, um, some people think prison is fine. And she says, well, have they ever been to a prison? And it's just her. She's so... Um, I, you know, she can't believe that anybody could possibly think it was good. And when she goes to a prison, she doesn't see inmates and criminals, quote unquote. She sees like artists and scientists and teachers. And she's like, what are they doing being wasted right here and treated like this? You can't treat an artist like this. You can't treat a teacher like this. And she really sees everybody's value and everybody's the importance of everybody contributing to society. I think she knows it makes our place better. And that's why she wants artists. She doesn't even care if they're good or bad or if she understands their work. She just wants people to to bring their full selves to society and contribute what they can. Well, it's going to play again today at 3 o'clock at the Temple Theater, then again tomorrow night, 9 o'clock at Sundance Mountain Theater. And again, I would encourage people, Susan Schwartz Gallery is uh, open. You can go and have a look, and that's, I think, just through Sunday. Correct, and then that art will go down and join the other art in Salt Lake City. City. Okay, well, thanks for spending some time and telling us about your mom. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's Catherine Gunn. Tune in and find out about some of the unknown and talented independent filmmakers from around the world. Join us for the Sundance Reel each weekday morning between 9 and 10. We'll highlight some of the most intriguing films being presented at this year's Sundance Film Festival. That's the Sundance Reel weekday mornings from 9 to 10 through January 31st 
right here on KPCW or online, kpcw.org. The Sundance Reel is brought to you in part by Sundance Institute, presenting the 2020 Sundance Film Festival from January 23rd through February 2nd. And Acura, proud 10-year sponsor of the festival and supporter of independent film and music. Learn more at acura.com.